Hello, boxing fans around the world. Thank you once again for joining us on another episode of Talking Fight featuring Christian from the Friday Night Panel. Again, we're going to talk today about uh, boxing at the Olympics coming up this July in Tokyo. And what have you found out for us today, Christian? Uh, well, a couple things to get through today, Graham. Uh, well, first and foremost, our first story takes us to South Korea today. South Korea has begun administering fast-track COVID-19 uh, vaccines as of today to athletes and coaches, as well as others expected to attend the Tokyo Olympics. The Korean Sport and Olympic Committee said that the first group of about 100 people would receive the first dose at a state-run hospital in Seoul uh, at the start of the country's prioritized vaccine program for its Olympic delegation. Now, they will be given their second shots in within the coming weeks. A total of 930 athletes, coaches, and officials, as well as other support, support staff, will be vaccinated ahead of the Tokyo Games, which is set to open on the 23rd of July. Athletes can receive their vaccines if they have already qualified for the Olympics or if they are currently enrolled in a qualifying tournament. So some athletes may get vaccinated but not attend the Games at the end of it all. The sports ministry said in a statement this week that it supports South Korean athletes preparing for the Olympics in hopes that their vaccinations would help to realize their safe as well as successful participation in the Games. Uh, it said that the athletes and coaches will all be getting the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, officials, support staff and journalists who are 30 years of age or older will be given the AstraZeneca vaccine. But those younger than 30 are set to receive Pfizer vaccine as well. And this is in line with the country's national vaccine program. <clears throat> Pardon me. South Korea tentatively aims to send somewhere between about eight to 900 people to the Olympics. 350 of these are going to be athletes and coaches uh, over 27 events. Olympic Committee officials uh, are expected to finalize the Olympic delegation in late June once all the qualifying tournaments are finished up. South Korea's health, uh, health authorities say that they have uh, inoculated so far about 3 million people, which is about 5.7% of its 52 million person population. The government recently said uh, also that it has secured enough vaccine for 99 million people, or nearly twice the, uh, the national population, and that it is seeking herd immunity by November. So it sounds to me like the uh, athletes are jumping the queue ahead of some people in order to get their hands on some of these vaccines. However, it does sound like they're not taking these vaccines away from, uh, from vulnerable groups necessarily. There is enough to go around. They're just getting kind of a, uh, a boost to the front of the line is what it sounds like to me. So whichever side of that argument you fall on. But uh, good to know that the Koreans will be vaccinated by the time they get to Tokyo. Taking a look now uh, at uh, international boxing as a whole here, uh, amateur boxing as a whole, the International Boxing Association President Umar Kremlev has said that uh, coming soon, special criteria is to be used to appoint judges for the organization's major events. So the Russian made the claim after a meeting with officials who worked at the Youth World Boxing Championships in Poland uh, just a little earlier this month. Judging controversies was one of the reasons, as you all know, highlighted by the International Olympic Committee uh, when it stripped the AIBA of its Olympic status back in June of 2019. All 30, and also you guys will probably know that all 36 of the boxing referees and judges at Rio 2016 were suspended following suspicious results, including uh, Russian Egevni Tyshenko's unanimous win over Kazakhstan's Vasily Levitt in the men's heavyweight final. Uh, there's another great example here. Irishman bantamweight uh, 
Michael Conlon said that he had been robbed of his Olympic dream after losing a unanimous verdict of Vladimir Nikitin, despite dominating against the Russian and causing a wound under uh, his left eye. A fresh investigation, though it should be said, you know, in all fairness, into the Rio judging scandal was has already been launched by AIBA this month, with the boxing tournament in Brazil now generally being viewed as a corrupt event. AIBA's referees and judges committee uh, is that's who's going to be developing the special criteria for selecting judges. Kremlin has said, and although he didn't elaborate. Uh, uh, on what those new criteria are going to be. He claimed that the board of directors would not be interfering with the committee and its work. So we'll be seeing some new uh, some new criteria coming out for judges in the near future. Uh, Kremlin was quoted as saying, think about boxers as they are the most important people in our sport. Honest judging is the main principle for us in AIBA. Let's cooperate as one big boxing family for a better tomorrow. Then the best boxer should always win. Boxing is the world's greatest sport. Let's develop it together. AIBA should not have any outside influence. We are an independent organization and we have an independent board of directors, committees, and referees and judges. AIBA has made some changes to its rules following the 2016 uh, controversies. As I'm sure you guys also know, we've reported a little bit about that here as well. Uh, now using a computer system by, to randomly suggest, select judges for bouts and having five judges now score a contest instead of three, uh, with those scores flashing up at the end of each round as opposed to at the end of the actual bout itself. Um, and now actually I should clarify that a little bit when I say the computer. The right now, so judges are being matched, uh, bouts are being judged by five judges and the computer randomly selects three of those scores as the score for the turn for that particular bout. So we're not seeing five judge, five scores. We're still only seeing three scores, but whose scores we're going to be seeing that comes, uh, that is chosen randomly by the computer system. And uh, as you also know, judges have about 15 seconds after the end of the round to register that score. So it can be thrown up. And then afterwards, uh, you know, the whichever side loses is going to have 15 minutes after the bout in order to contest that. But anyone is looking for a little bit more in depth on how they're doing the scoring these days, uh, you can take a look back a little earlier in the week. We did an episode on that and uh, dove fairly in depth into that. Just yesterday, Graham, we were talking about our friends over in India and uh, a tournament. And is it going to happen at this point in time? What's your prediction? No. Ooh, swing and a miss. We are going to have a tournament, Graham. Uh, just not where we thought we were going to have it. Not, the, oh, okay. I thought you meant in New Delhi. Uh, well, no, no. Tournament's going to... Okay. The, uh, the 2021 right. Asian Boxing Championship, originally scheduled to be held in New Delhi in May, has now officially been shifted to Dubai. The Boxing Federation of India said uh, releases in a statement late on Wednesday. Uh, that decision was made due to travel restrictions that several participating nations have now announced to India due to the sharp increase in uh, COVID-19 cases in the country. Boxing Federation of India President A.J. Singh said, in the wake of international travel restrictions to India, the Boxing Federation of India, in consultation with the Asian Boxing Confederation, that's the ASBC for those of you keeping track of uh, various acronyms, has decided to conduct the upcoming 2021 edition of the ASBC Asian Elite Men and Women's Boxing Championship in Dubai. The event will now uh, be organized by the Boxing Federation of India in association with UAE Boxing Federation. 
the BFI, our Boxing Federation India, I just said that uh, it had received a no, a no objection certificate from the Sports Ministry of India to conduct the tournament at Indira Gandhi uh, Sports Complex in New Delhi, but had to eventually uh, make the decision of not hosting the tournament in the national capital due to travel restrictions. Singh continued, it's unfortunate that we have to shift the venue out of India. We were very keen to host championships in Delhi, but we were left with no other options. Boxer safety is the most important concern for us, and hence we had to take this decision. We are grateful to the United Arab Emirates for accepting our request and agreeing to co-host on such short notice. We are thankful to all member federations and ASBC for their cooperation. So that's a major tournament, Graham, with hundreds of boxers being shifted across uh, international lines with less than four weeks to go before the tournament. Is this a bit of a black eye to the IOC, you think? And the boxing task force after uh, canceling our America's qualifier, saying it's way too close, uh, can't, can't move a national tournament in four weeks? Uh, I think you're now agreeing with me that uh, it could have been held in Orlando. Always Orlando. <laughs> uh, again, I think U.S. visas would be harder to come by, but I don't think it would have been hard to find somewhere else in the Americas to hold that. We'll put them all in a field in Saskatchewan. There's nothing there. <laughs> That's right. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nobody there to give COVID to. We get some tents in uh, Saskatchewan. We'll put a nice big ring up in the middle of a middle of a wheat field somewhere, and it'll be great. But a bit of a but black eye, eye, or might be a black eye, but. I I think realistically, these are good decisions being made and good statements being made um, on behalf of boxers around the world. So everyone's trying to do, I think, whatever they can uh, to be in their best, not in their best interest, but in the boxers' best interests. So do you think if the AIBA had not been uh, stripped of the uh, of their IOC accreditation that we would still be seeing a, uh, a moved tournament uh, for the Americas? <laughs> Because that's just moving no, this I, one. This is the IBA. This is this is the Zumar Kremlev since he took over at the beginning of the year. He's making big strides, and that's who's moving this tournament. So, do you think he would have been able to pull it off? Uh, yes. Is that just do you think it's determination that he just he would have done it just because you know he's going to go hell or high water to get this done, or do you think it was the right thing to pull it off? Uh, uh, a bit of both. It's it's a balancing act. I mean, he, he's in a tough situation. I mean, who would have honestly expected this pandemic uh, to interfere in this way? But I think he's doing the right thing. Let's put it that way. The right decisions, saying the right things, doing the right things uh, on behalf of his organization. Oh, you I know, should also mention an extra day has been added to that tournament that originally was running from the 21st of May until the 31st. That now runs through June 1st. So I'm not sure if that's an extra, why they've added an extra day, but there is an extra day added to the tournament uh, since the uh, rescheduling or the relocation, sorry. That that uh, computerization uh, point that you mentioned regarding technology, uh, this Sunday, Talking Fight is sponsoring a little Wii seminar featuring our CTO, Rob Gorey, and uh, he'll be online uh, addressing the issue of new technologies that are being implemented on behalf of boxers, uh, not only uh, globally, but also trainers globally and also uh, boxing gyms and how technology is implementing, uh, being implemented to their benefit. So uh, I just reminded myself, because you reminded me, <laughs> technology is making a hell of an impact 
not only in general, but in boxing. So I want to uh, bring that out for those people who are viewing, watching uh, this Sunday at two o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, we're having Rob Corey, our CTO, online to answer and address those questions. I wonder if uh, any of the tech he's talking about will fall in line with what the champ was talking about earlier in the week. He wanted to see GoPro strapped every judge for uh, instant replays. Yeah, you know what I'm going to ask him? I'm going to ask Rob. I'm going to say, you know, is it possible that the, that AI these days can actually monitor uh, punches? Um you know, because if that's the point system that, that determines winners in the amateur level, surely the actual human beings to count punches. Maybe I'm, I'm so I'm just curious whether. Uh, oh, I, I think that technology would definitely exist. Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine that it doesn't already. It's a matter of are you able to do it in real time? How infallible is it? It's, it's, I think mostly it's going to be the real time when it comes yeah, down to that. Because I've also heard, yeah, I've also heard concepts, and this is again mostly in amateur uh, boxing, not in the, in the pros. But I've heard uh, concepts like what they use in fencing floated before, where they actually, right. you know, in fencing, there's an axe for those of you who don't follow fencing as well. If you're not into all the combat sports, um, there is a there's a sensor in the tip of the epee and in the actual uh, sword that they're using there, and when that comes into contact with part of the uh, your opponent's body, it registers that hit. Now, there are still judges to register, you know, it'll register a hit, but say, oh, that was an illegal hit, or for some types of fencing, you've got hits on the hands, do or don't count, depending on the different type of fencing that you're doing. But they do have electronic scoring, where they can say, nope, you didn't actually hit, or yes, you did physically come into contact with the approved strike zone on the body. So yeah. I've heard something like that floated before, because, you know, our amateur fighters, they are wearing vests. So can't some kind of technology that's not big and bulky be woven into that vest to say, no, nope, that was an impact. That was an impact, you know, on the headgear as well. No, nope, that was an impact and score that way. Uh, without doubt, uh, it must exist at, a, at this level. There is a company in America that creates uh, mouth guards that have a data chip inside these mouth guards that determine the force of the blow uh, to the chin, for example. So I'm, I'm not so sure what they do with that data at the moment. Uh, as in, holy crap, man! You got you, well, you took 50, 15 shots to the chin. Are you okay? She, she reached. The, well, so she yeah, we, we now we now know that your what your limit is before you hit the mat. That's perfect. Uh, <laughs> we now know how hard you can get hit before you draw. Uh, that kind of statistical data, though, that would definitely go into. Uh, you know, they'll be using that sort of thing for uh, concussion research and things like that. Long long term effects. Uh, on yeah. on the body for doing the, you know any sport, you know football players yeah. ruin their knees things like that. But they'll be using that for uh, not only to make our sport better, but hopefully to make it safer at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely, and without a doubt that uh, that young chap from uh, Jordan who passed away unfortunately, but he he is certainly making an impact. I mean, there's a lot of talk on all the various mm -hmm. uh, chat rooms and Facebook pages, an awful lot of chat about health and safety. Uh, concerns with respect to young boxers, especially. We're going to be seeing a lot of negative press around uh, the Rashad El Spicat over the next little while, uh, and again, it just it un it underscores that it is a dangerous sport. At the end of the day, this is a contact sport. But you know, we're we're coming from Canada right now. I grew up. I played hockey for 15 years. You know, it's 
where you know I, I played hockey, I played American football in uh, in high school and things like that. So it's uh, you know we, we, we're, contact sports are very much a part of our society still, and they are inherently come with a certain amount of risk. It's a matter of you know balancing the risk with uh, with with rational thought. And, you know, what can we rationally do to make this as safe as possible without turning this into a pillow fight at the end of the day is what it comes down to. But the simple fact that uh, Al Swysat, when he went down and didn't get up, it was in the ring. If this had happened in his hotel three days after the tournament, they would be seeing people draw parallels to it and things like that. But we're going to be seeing a lot more. Uh, I was recovering from surgery at the time. That's why I didn't play rugby when the rugby season came around, Carl. Okay. But, um, yeah, because it was in the ring, uh, you know, going to the third round of his bout when he went down, and that's when it says something is seriously wrong here. It had to take him to hospital, obviously resulting in emergency surgery that sadly he did not recover from. But the fact that his injury happened in the ring, you're going to be, you know, you're, you're going to see uh, people who are anti-boxing wield that like Thor's hammer for like the next six months. You're going to hear nothing but that. And it's unfortunate and it's sad. But if it, if it makes people stop and kind of take stock of how we're doing things, and, you know, it's, it's not always a bad thing to review. Because, you know, they need to review and say, hey, we are doing everything that we can do in the current climate to keep us as safe as possible. And this was an outlier. This was an accident. This was, uh, you know, maybe it had some underlying effects or some, un, you know, an underlying uh, reason for it as well in combination with the boxing bout. I don't know because I, I haven't seen any medical reports on what happened after the fact. Um, but anyone who is on the negative side of this, like I said, is, is going to wield this like a hammer for the next six months. And you just kind of have to, you know, prepare for that. Without a doubt. I was just simply mentioning that uh, there's been a lot of ramifications, a lot of discussion, a lot of ramifications uh, will come out of this for sure in, in a positive, I think, way. Which, if nothing else, it's going to force the, uh, as a sport, to stop and take stock, especially when we're talking about uh, our, our, our youth competitors and the under-18 competitors out there. It's going to help us take stock and, and hopefully uh, find a way to keep this as safe as possible. Yep. Yep. That's where, that's why we wear seatbelts in our cars. Okay. Whereas and Carl, Carl over at Lost Bell makes a good point here saying that, uh, the you know, we're seeing uh, – the increased number of draws versus knockouts and TKOs uh, shows that uh, they're taking the they're taking this a little bit more seriously from a box from our that shows to me that they're taking it more seriously from a refereeing and a judging standpoint because that's where a lot of these safety protocols come into play because it's all it is hard to make you know punching someone in the face safe so I I, I think I think that, you know with with the changes to judging refereeing and stuff like that being being more involved a lot of the points that amanda jen huggins made the uh the other day uh is going to be it goes a long way to making it a lot safer and i think that's the kind of thing that we're going to see new announcements coming from aiba once they put their new uh criteria in for choosing judges yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. well yeah thanks very much christian appreciate your time today appreciate your research and your updates and thanks very much for our uh, good viewership, for chiming in and keeping us informed as to what's happening elsewhere in the world. And uh, we hope that Mike has a lot of fun on your show. That's for sure. There we go. <laughs> keep, keep uh, tomorrow, we're gonna be take, right. tomorrow we're going to be taking a look at the updated playbook for athletes. 
So that has that ha that has been published now. That came out a little earlier today. So we do have the new updated playbook, COVID nineteen playbook for athletes headed to Tokyo. So we're going to be taking a look at. Uh, we're not going to go through the whole thing point by point, but we are going to be taking a look at the major changes that have been made since the last edition. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I saw there was a big announcement, a big uh, co-organizational announcement made. So yes, all good. And um, uh, what's today, Thursday? So we'll see you tomorrow, uh, not only for the uh, Nooner, but also uh, the Friday night panel. Two o'clock tomorrow. Correct. <laughs> I always do that. Noons, fr fr Fridays at noon is the female fist. That's what I'll be watching. Right on. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, I'll still be on tomorrow. the couch here. I'll, I'll still be right where I am now, only I'll be watching her show this time. So we'll talk tomorrow. Right. Right. Thank you.